0: Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 11 in our Bibles and we will work through verses one to 24. This is sermon number 49 in the book of Matthew. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes is never stop pointing to Jesus never stop pointing to jesus we're working through a series i've titled jesus worldview because man at the end of the day i want jesus worldview i want to know what he thinks i want to know what his ideas are i want to know his opinions i want to know how he sees the world around us when the world's so broken and messed up we have so many opinions and ideas i want to get back to what he says get back to the heart of his message And that's why we're working through this series, Jesus Worldview, through the book of Matthew. We always work verse by verse, chapter by chapter, because man, it's just easier, to be honest. A lot of pastors think it's very difficult, but I just love it. I don't have to figure out topics. I don't have to figure out interesting things. I just preach what's next, and they're plenty interesting, plenty challenging, and uh, plenty entertaining. We get to walk through the text and see all of the story of Jesus. And my blessing at the end, family, is I get to impart to you the gift of the book of Matthew. You literally at the end of this and say, I literally studied through the book of Matthew all the way through, received every single verse. I looked at it with my own eyes. This is the joy of working through the Bible. You ask people, have you ever read through the Bible? They're like, kind of. What do you mean, kind of? Well, I've read like a hundred verses. There's thousands. There's a lot in there, a lot of opportunity to learn and grow. And if you have never done so before, never read through the Bible, I'd encourage you to take a step of faith and try it. Uh, Maybe even starting here January 1st, we'll have an opportunity to restart our daily reading. Try a chapter a day. Try half a chapter a day. Try three chapters a day, and you'll get through in one year. If you do one chapter a day, you'll get through in three years, approximately two years and ten months, something like that. But i challenge you to do it matthew chapter 11 in our bibles today i heard of a story of a guy maybe you heard of this guy too he was late for an appointment late for a meeting and he can't find a place to park so he circles the parking lot twice he still can't find a place to park he's stressing out because he wants to get in there to his meeting he's going to be in big trouble if he doesn't get there fast so in desperation he begins to pray lord please help me find a parking space right now and i promise to go to church every single sunday from now on and i promise to never drink again all of a sudden a beautiful parking space opens up right next to the entrance he pulls in as fast as he can and he says never mind lord i found one The deals we make with God are absolutely hilarious. I want to ask you this question today. I think we all wonder what is the greatest thing that we can accomplish and do in life. We don't want to miss it. We get this one life handed to us here on Earth and we don't want to miss it. Lord, what do you want me to do? What is the greatest thing that I could accomplish? Is it? Is it build SpaceX and get us to Mars? Is it create the iPhone? Is it entertain at a a large level? Make a lot of people laugh? Is it move people? Is it build things? Creating, loving, and serving? What, What is the point of all of this? What are we supposed to spend 90 years on, 100 years on, really? What's the point? Jesus talks today about the greatest human to walk the earth, the goat, the greatest of all time, the greatest of all time. We will look at him and look what he did to be called the greatest of all humans. It may surprise you, and I want to challenge you before we dive into the text, because sometimes sometimes we can, we can miss it just slightly. And what I mean by that is, you've already heard the title of the message, never stop pointing to Jesus. But sometimes we compartmentalize our life or what we do every single day from pointing to Jesus. We say, well, I do this over here in church and I do this over here when I have godly conversations and I do this over here when I witness to that person and pray for that person. But what if all of it could be used to point to Jesus? even building a rocket to go to Mars, building an iPhone, building a community. What if there was a way in which our work, our creativity, all that we do has a means to point to our God? I am motivated to build because. I am motivated to create because. I'm motivated to entertain and bring laughter and joy because. I have an underlining reason I do all of this. It is worship unto him. Even if the world doesn't see it at first, we hope that long-term they would discover that in you. Not all are called to be a pastor. Mine seems to be kind of easy in a way of understanding what I need to do. But hey, if you're a plumber, how in the world do I connect pipes and clean toilets and do this to the glory of God, you might ask. What about ministering to that customer? What about every single piece you put together you do with excellence because my God is excellent. He grows your business and he blesses you financially. And you take your finances and you bless everybody in your neighborhood. You go out of your way to take all that God has given you, your craft, your family, your friendships, your influence to what? Bring glory to him. We've got to figure out what it looks like. It looks different for every single one of us. But I want you to start to think this through as God has given you something. It may not even need to be overtly Christian. Sadly, we take every T-shirt now and put Jesus Christ all over them and and God is good all over them and this is the only way we can do Christian this or that. Maybe not. I love looking at films that reflect the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. And somehow his name isn't even in there, but it just blasts all of his goodness and truth right into the eyes of the viewer, right into their ears, washing them in his goodness and mercy. Can we figure out ways to do this? This is what I want you to think about as we work through our entire lives pointing to the Lord Jesus. We are in Matthew chapter eleven in our Bible, starting in verse one. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? Hey, we always stand for the reading of god's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we're reading he changes the mind he changes the heart his word stands forever take a look at verse 1 it says this when jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities now when john heard in prison about the deeds of christ he sent word by his disciples and said to him are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news. Preach to them. And Jesus and, and blessed, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are kings and houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written. Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray you would bless us today with your word. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with joy. Fill us with peace. Fill us with truth. Give us clarity. Give us focus on you once again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. As verse 1 says, Jesus has just finished instructing his disciples on their future mission and what he will accomplish. They were being sent out as sheep amongst wolves, remember? And they were to be wise as serpents, but soft as doves. We got to receive some of that as we work through the text. We need to be wise. We need to be soft. Don't be foolish. Don't be rough why is the serpent softest doves why because you're being sent out amongst wolves understand who you're being sent out among be aware Jesus instructed them they were to prepare to be persecuted pretty crazy but he encouraged them to know that God had everything under control and he will accomplish his purpose Jesus said don't worry God knows every single bird that falls from the sky, every little sparrow, and he's going to take care of you. He's got it under control. He's got you covered. Jesus went from there after he instructed his disciples. He went from there to teach and preach in their cities and towns, it says. Verse 1. I like that Matthew makes a distinction between teaching and preaching in in verse 1. It says he went on to teach and preach. Interesting. Interesting. All teachers are not preachers, but all preachers should be teachers. All teachers are not preachers, but all preachers should be teachers. Preaching, you know what preaching is? It's knowledge on fire. I like this definition. Teaching is imparting information in a way for people to learn preaching is setting that information in people's hearts on fire so they are moved to live it out you see a professor can just get up and just give information boring but some of you love it You're Like, actually i love that class it was fun i like absorb i mean it was so good i loved the information but preaching is not just to be a giving of information. It is to be lighting the people's hearts and minds on fire to become more passionate about their relationship with God. And so Jesus did both. He'd go into the synagogues, he would sit down, and he would talk with the rabbis, and he would teach. Then he would go to the crowds, and he would preach the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus did both. Just a small sidestep, I thought it was interesting. Look at verse two. Now, when Jesus heard in prison, I'm sorry when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ he sent word by his disciples and said to him are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another John the Baptist J the B you guys know him J the B he was at prison in prison in this time by the hand of Herod and uh, Herod was upset because John was preaching truth about Jesus, saying there was another king. He's like, what? I'm the king. He says, no, there's another king. There's another kingdom coming. And all of you need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. John was a bruiser. Probably massive beard. It was not groomed whatsoever. Hair everywhere. He wore a camel hair for his coat. I mean, a big piece of camel fur. He's like, Check out my jacket, camel fur, baby. It's like, it looks like you just skinned that thing. That's disgusting. It says he ate locusts and wild honey. You just walk up to the beehive. Thank you. This dude was a beast. And he stood out there and he preached repentance. He preached judgment and he preached fire. He startled people. People were shocked by him. And John the Baptist was sitting in prison for preaching truth and speaking about Jesus. And when he heard about what the Lord Jesus was doing, he was challenged and somewhat confused by it. Think this through with me. He was wondering if Jesus is the true Messiah. Can you believe that? John the Baptist, the guy who baptized Jesus, who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that guy sends his disciples from prison he says hey guys uh, i know you've told me what's going on with jesus you got to go ask him what's really going on i gotta know before i die in here go ask him if he's the real messiah because the stuff he's doing is confusing me i don't get it he was wondering if jesus was the true christ why Why and how could John the Baptist question that? Well, you have to remember who John the Baptist was. He was the rugged prophet in the wilderness who had come to cast judgment on people, to preach fire and brimstone and repentance. For the kingdom of heaven is near. He was a no-nonsense guy. He was set apart and holy in the wilderness. He, He removed himself from society. He was a radical. Then Jesus comes on the scene and he's hanging out with sinners loving them and having conversations with the pharisees and seeing even some of them come to follow jesus jesus the messiah the lord of heaven hanging out with tax collectors drunks gluttons and the ultra fake religious showing them love having conversations with them john the baptist couldn't process it because he was the outcast, the radical prophet on the edge of society in the wilderness calling people out, not hanging out with them. So Jesus was even turning John the Baptist and his followers' world upside down. Even John the Baptist. And I love this. I can see John the Baptist's followers having conversations, judging Jesus. John's in, John the Baptist in prison, and here is his followers, like John told us, not to do that, not, not to hang out with those tax collectors. What is he doing? John taught us not to stay away from the fake religious. What is he doing? This doesn't make sense, and they go tell John, John, we don't think Jesus, he's not the Messiah, he's not the Christ, this guy's he's doing weird stuff. He's not doing holy stuff, that's for sure. They're like, we gotta go tell John everything. This can't be the Messiah. He's, he's in the world too much. He's doing things we would never do. He's doing things we would never do. I see this in the church all the time. Churches looking at other churches, cutting them down. Believers looking at other believers, cutting them down. Upset because they don't do Christianity like we do. They need to do this or that. We don't like their method, so we leave their church or we will judge them. John the Baptist struggled greatly with Jesus' method, enough to send his disciples asking Jesus if he's the true Messiah. That's how much he struggled with it. I see this all the time, and it has taken me years because I did this as well. I would cut down everything that wasn't like me. And this is not right. If they are a brother or sister in Christ, why are we cutting them down? Jesus tells us in the parable that we're only to cut down dead wood that doesn't bear fruit. Well, they only got one piece of fruit on there. Well, enjoy it. Nice, one beautiful peach. That's all you got. Why don't you go eat of it? And do you really want the whole church to look like you? I don't. I do not want a church full of me. I want different people. I want all of the facets of the kingdom of God, different personalities, different perspectives, different tribes, tongues, and nations. This is what heaven will look like, and we will celebrate all of the customs of the universe. What a party that will be. And you know what? When I get to know somebody who's different from me, and I discover things in gold in them that I never had, I'm blessed. I'm joyful. As hard as it is to look from different angles and perspectives, I'm not talking about essentials in Christianity. These things are non-negotiable. We're not we're not looking at a different angle as to figure out whether or not Jesus is God. He clearly is. These are non non-negotiables. But I'm talking about methods and ways that we do things in churches and in Christianity. The split within the Church of America today is just sad. And I want to impart this to you. I hope it's helpful. If you see a church, believer, or denomination bearing fruit, don't cut them down and throw them in the fire. Instead, learn to eat good fruit from their tree. Well, there were there's a fruit over there with a I saw there was a piece of apple on there with a worm in it. I saw it. There's another piece that's actually really nice. Why don't you go feast on that? Oh, interesting. Your tree has fruit on it with a worm in it, too. Now, doesn't it? Oh, none of us bear perfect fruit except for the Lord Jesus Christ. So feast and enjoy the fruit that each of you is bearing. Let's stop cutting each other down. Let's love and serve each other. I love that the body of Christ is made up of so many different people. I'm telling you, when I first came to the Lord in my early 20s, I had this very focused view that this is exactly the template and the way a Christian has to be. They have to look this way. They have to act this way. They have to do this thing. They can't do that. They can't do that. I had, this perf- I had this perfectly figured out. Then I went to the Middle East. Oh, you guys do things like way different than I do. But am I to say that you're not a child of God because you don't uh, have lights and a pulpit and do uh, three songs, announcements, two songs, a 40-minute sermon, and all right, we're done for the day? They're not doing church right. John the Baptist was having a hard time processing this because Jesus was breaking his mold. His mold was what? Stand in the wilderness, drop bombs of fire and truth, and probably all of his disciples went out and started doing the same thing. And then they all started saying, this is the only way to do it. You gotta walk around and drop bombs on people, fire and brimstone, scream at people, tell them to repent. And do So now we have people this day and age standing on the corner of the street with a sign saying you're all going to hell, screaming through the microphone on the streets, exactly what they're doing. It's still here which it's fine and it's good because those guys may bring a few to Christ and that is their calling and that's what they're called to do say you know the Lord bless you and keep you but if you're not fired up about doing that and that is not your method in which you're bringing someone to Christ maybe that appalls you and you have a problem processing that But yours is the opposite. Jesus said, I'm actually going to go to the tax collectors. You're going to the IRS? You're going to sit down with those idiots? Yeah. And I'm going to love on them. I'm going to have a drink with them. I'm going to eat some bomb food. We're going to do a full buffet. Those gluttons. And Jesus befriends these people, and it perplexes all of them. Jesus challenges and offends everyone, even me. I read the text sometimes and I gotta preach it and I'm just like, oh Lord. <laughs> Lord, I gotta, I gotta say that, I gotta talk through this. Jesus challenging and offends everyone, even John the Baptist. That's the beauty of Christ. None of us have arrived, we aren't in heaven yet, We will be challenged by the lord and his commands all the days of our life because our sinful flesh doesn't want to receive it but our spirit rejoices at conviction walk away saying thank you god man you know thank you for opening my eyes to see that about myself thank you for revealing that to me i need that i need that in my own life it's the Lord and the Spirit of God who does this in our hearts. I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for each of your gifts, talents, and abilities. I've had to learn and, and tune my ear to receive. Even when someone's saying something, I just want to, mm, I'm gonna, you know, oh. because God has a way of working in all of these different words and all of these different things, and I'm thankful. John the Baptist was looking from a distance, trying to figure it out. Look at how Jesus answers John's disciples. I know you guys are concerned. I know you're wondering if I'm Messiah. Look at verse four. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Interesting. Lord, you threw through that little thing on the end there. Blind, deaf, lame, poor, and blessed. Tell John blessed, blessed, happy is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus is saying as if you can receive the hard things I say to you and do, You are blessed. You will be happy. Why? Because though it may sting, it shows you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, and you are blessed because of that. God's ministering to you. God's still speaking to you. You know, every time I get convicted by a word or get encouraged by the word of God and I walk away from church, I I say, thank you, God. Thank you that you're still speaking to me. Thank you that my ears are somehow still open and the earwax hasn't clawed. like, I can hear you. And we all need this in our lives. We want to remain sensitive to the Spirit of God, sensitive to the Lord. Because, you know, sometimes winter comes around and we don't feel God and we don't hear from Him. And so it's a valuable moment when God's speaking to you. I've been in those seasons. I've been in lots of them. And so anytime I get a word from the Lord, man, I take that little bag of gold and I tuck it in my... In in my in my room, I t- I tuck it away and I let it minister to my life, to my home. Write it down in your journal. Write it down on your phone. If the Lord ministers something, you write it down. Let it let it marinate. Let it sit in your heart. Something to notice in the details of what Jesus says to John. He says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, deaf hear, dead are raised up, the poor. Have the good news preached to them. Are you ready? I'm going to say it again. This is very important. Jesus gives the overview of how the kingdom is growing in the land because the king is here. He's telling John's disciples, go tell John this, the kingdom is working. The king is here. This is what's happening. The Lord gives us insight into what each person being broken needs. That's what he talks about. Jesus is healing the broken now. The Messiah is healing now. The king is here healing and working now. And listen what he says. The blind need to see. Right? You're like, yeah, I get it. Obviously. In the kingdom, there will be no one blind. The blind will need to see. The deaf hear. Ears open. The leper needs to be cleansed of leprosy. All the dead skin falling off the skin. Baby skin. The dead need to be resurrected, raised to life. And the poor need handouts. No. The poor need a million dollars. No. The poor need the good news preached to them. The blind need to see, the deaf need to hear, the lame need to walk, the dead need to resurrect, and the poor need. The gospel? This blew my mind. I discovered this a long time ago. We used to go down to Skid Row every month uh, when I was at Harvest in Orange County. We would drive down uh, with a bunch of the brothers and uh, the college age kids. And we would go and minister all the people on Skid Row. We would fix them a meal. We would preach the gospel to them. Well, before that, we would go out on the streets, tent to tent. And we would talk with them. And we'd invite them, say, hey, we got a meal. Come and eat. They would show up to the meal, but they'd be like, where's the food? And we'd be like, no, no, we're going to do church first. (laughs) You tricked me. We preach the gospel to them every single time. Same gospel, just keep preaching it. And then we would feed them a meal and sit down with them and have a meal and talk. But I I never saw this, it opened my eyes, it blew my mind when I saw while the poor need food, shelter, clothes, and money, what they need the most is the good news preached to them, the hope of the gospel. This can heal their situation, let that sink in. Yes, we we should take care of the poor, but not only give them stuff, this does not help long-term. We've seen this, cripples people. You know the Tom's shoe movement? It was a great movement, so it seemed. The Tom Shoes movement, what happened was if you buy a pair of shoes, they will give a pair of shoes to someone else in another country. And so they did this, millions of shoes are bought and they're dumping shoes in other countries. You know what happened? The local shoe salesman in the area's company went out of business. All the shoe repair companies, out of business. They were putting out all of the local businesses who have no money anyways, completely out of business because everybody has shoes now and they are messing up the economy. They didn't know, they're trying to do good. They learn long-term, giving people stuff is helpful for the moment, but it does not produce change long term. If you give them a fish, they'll eat it. But if you teach them to fish, they'll never be hungry again, right? The hope of the gospel is the only thing that's going to change the alcoholism, the mental illness, the uh, the, the the no drive for life, um, the the. All of the abuse on the streets, I don't know how they got there, but we talked to so many people, and we did it for years. We helped a a heroin addict off the street for five years and got him a job, his family off the street, and the whole thing. I mean, we've seen so much right in front of us, and I'm telling you that if the gospel does not take root in the heart of man or woman, there is no long-term change. Jesus nailed it thousands of years ago because he is the creator. This is what the poor need. The gospel does this. So when we give to people, please, family, legacy, when you give to people, please give to people, please be generous, but do it in the name of Jesus and minister the gospel to them, please. I give this money to you for gas in the name of Jesus. Is that okay? Um, uh, Okay. I'm pointing to him. I'm saying about me. And I want to let you know that you've sinned before God, but there's a God who wants to forgive you and wants to love you and wants to resurrect your life right now today. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Walk with him. Turn to God with all of your heart and he'll bless you. He'll take care of you. wipe away your sins he'll give you a greater gift than this 20 bucks for gas the gift of heaven can I pray for you is that okay can I pray oh what What? you are gonna pray for me right now here yeah let me pray for you man Lord bless this guy in Jesus name amen we'll see you soon we have got to get to a place where we stop doing these exterior deeds and not pointing to Christ We have to sink them. We have to figure out how to sink them, get clever, figure out how it works. Figure out ways to do this for Christ's glory before it's too late. When John the Baptist heard the news, his heart must have been established, right there in his prison cell. He's by himself. He's in prison. I could see him jumping for joy in there. The disciples come back. He is the Messiah, the death hear the blind see the lame walk and the poor hear the good news it's happening the kingdom is happening right now john's like yes i'm not afraid to die now i can die now i'm not afraid he's here the scene changes john the baptist's disciples go to tell tell him what they have seen and heard from Jesus, and the Lord starts to talk to the crowds about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist boys go off, they go to prison to go visit John and tell him everything, and then Jesus turns to the crowds and starts to address them and starts to tell them about John the Baptist. Verse 7, it says, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is he whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus asked the crowd, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Nature? You go on a nature hike? No. You went to see John the Baptist, the radical fire judgment preacher. You wanted to see him. You wanted to see the show. And Jesus calls him greater than a prophet. Verse 11, The greatest human who's ever been born. Why would Jesus say such amazing things about John the Baptist? Family, you are looking at the greatest human ever born according to Jesus in the text today. He said because of verse 10, this is why he's the greatest. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. He prepared the way of the Lord. John the Baptist was simple. He prepared the way for Jesus. He pointed to Jesus and he lifted up Jesus. That's all he did. He's like, I'm just a, I'm just a simple person. I'm just here to uh, roll out the red carpet. Um, I'm the limo driver. I'm opening the door for him. Uh, I'm the butler. You know, I'm just here to point to him. Uh, I just need to step away from the picture. I'm just here for a little bit. Gonna, gonna help get things started, get things rolling. Here's the guy that says, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the Lord Jesus Christ, right? exit stage that was his whole gig it was simple John 3 28 John says you yourselves can testify that I am NOT the Christ they thought he was the Messiah John the Baptist He's like I'm not him but I'm sent ahead of him he's about to show up Matthew 3 2 his message was simple and direct repent for the kingdom of heaven is near this is John He willingly gave up the spotlight to Jesus, John 3.30. He must become greater, I must become less. He must increase, I must decrease. Luke 3.16, and John answered all of them, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus. Jesus says I can't even tie his shoes this guy who's coming is the greatest he's the goat he's the one that you should be looking to the best thing we could ever do in life is point to Jesus that is our calling all of our life all of our gifts talents and abilities all of our work our family our relationships the whole shebang everything points to him and I can't figure that out for you I wish I could We can have conversations about it. We can talk about it over coffee if you want to. We can explore, but you have to discover what God has placed right in front of you today. What has he given you? Then you figure out what it looks like to permeate all of that with the Lord Jesus and bringing him glory. I don't know what you do, but whatever you do, please do it for the glory of God. And there's ways to do it. Do it with excellence. Do it with character and integrity. If there's an opportunity arrives to, to sprinkle the attributes of God through what you do, try it. Let, let it show in the way you treat people and the way you handle customers and the way that you handle, in everything that you do, your coworkers, let it show Christ. You may be even never even saying, you're not shouting, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near in the office. No, but you're shouting it with the way that you live. You're, you're the kindest person in the office. Why, why are you so nice? You're so generous with everybody. You take time with people. Hey, I heard the other day that you, you prayed for Joe's mom because he said she had cancer. You, you wrote her a little note and you gave her some scripture. I, I'm a Christian. I didn't. I, that's amazing. You're an example. You reflect Christ in all that you do. What's the best kind of people to be around? You don't even know. Sometimes I'll I'll sense that in somebody. I'll see see somebody doing something. I'm like, dude, that's a Christian right there. There is something in them. They're doing something. There's something different everywhere we go. All that we do somehow has to point to Him. The attributes of God should be bleeding from your pores. Acts 20, 24, the Apostle Paul said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless i use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the lord jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of god i'll tell you my ministry my ministry is to number one love my wife love my wife as Christ loved the church. My number one ministry above the church, above anything else, is to love my wife, my marriage. Number two, it is to love my kids and to teach them the word of God above the church. My third ministry, from what I can tell, is to minister to the church. I, for some reason, have been equipped to preach. I don't know why, I was telling one of my best friends this two nights ago, I got sucked into this thing, man. I I got worked over by God. I was just helping out a bunch of high school kids, and before you know it, I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, my whole life is devoted to preaching and teaching the Word of God. How did this happen? And I can't get away from it. If I just stopped preaching today, you know how many emails I would get? Dude, what are you doing? You can't just stop preaching. Why not? I want to do something else. You can't do that. You're equipped to do this, this is your calling, it's what you have to do. And as far as I can tell, number four ministry for me right now is to minister in LA, everywhere that I go. I am in this city, God has placed me here to minister wherever I go, it's in the gym, wherever it's at, it's at the grocery store, it's at the bank, if it's on the streets right here in Ventura, if it's right here in this school, wherever it's at, if it's on a hike, if it's out in the water surfing, if God gives me the opportunity, I need to impart goodness and grace in those moments, to let the attributes of Christ beam through me into all of those situations, for on the job site, Martin, working construction, whatever we're doing, try to love and serve all of these guys around me indirectly for the glory of Christ. Hey, they don't, they, I don't say anything to him about God. I'm not praying for, them, I'm not doing anything. I'm just being kind. just being generous. It's gonna to try to love and serve these guys with what I have right in front of me. Please, figure out your assignment and get on doing it for the Lord Jesus. It doesn't have to be a burden, it should be a blessing. You don't need to be anxious about it, just enjoy the ride. God's given you what he's given you right in front of you, take that and use all of this for God's glory, amen? Verse 11 says, John was the greatest to ever live, the goat, the greatest of all time, because he pointed to Jesus. Love it. It also says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. How is that? What does that mean? How can the least of the kingdom be greater than John if he is the goat? It's because those in the new kingdom get to experience the new covenant, which John didn't get to experience on earth, John the Baptist. John the Baptist would say about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yet John had probably sacrificed a lamb in the previous month. He was still going to the temple and sacrificing. The new covenant would be established, no more temple needed, no more sacrifice of animals, no more living according to the law of Moses, now living according to the law of Christ. John never experienced that, but you and I get to. And I'm sure Jesus is talking about us, me, the least in the kingdom. We are greater than John even being the least in the kingdom because of the work of Jesus. Because of his work, we're not sacrificing animals for our sins. He's done a great work and we get to enjoy this new covenant, which people for thousands of years never got to experience. They were in the old covenant and the law of God, which was a picture of the covenant that was to come. Take a look at these final verses. We're gonna just work through them. They're kind of a paraphrased story. I want you to see it though. Jesus goes on to explain to the crowd, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who has come. He who has ear, let him hear. This is speaking and pointing ultimately to John the Baptist being the greatest prophet and pointing to Jesus, but it has not come easy. All the prophets were killed, shut down, attacked, I mean for all kinds of things, not listened to, God's people did not listen uh, to many of the prophets. They went on and did their own thing, rebelled. I shouldn't say God's people, I say Israel, because those who were God's people actually did listen to him. But there was a lot of rebellion over the years, and the prophets suffered. Uh, Look at verse 16. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates we played the flute for you but you did not dance we sang a dirge and you did not mourn it's a sad song people don't listen and don't want the lord that's the point that he's making we we played and you didn't dance we sang and you you didn't mourn you weren't a part of it you didn't want it they hear but they don't respond they see but they don't believe for john came neither eating nor drinking verse 18 and they said he was a demon they're like he didn't even act like the sinners and they called him a demon they called him a demon he, he wasn't a drunkard he wasn't a glutton he wasn't even hanging out with them and they looked at him and said that dude's a demon how could he be a demon when he's doing holy things john can't win people reject his truth Verse 19, the son of man came eating and drinking, Jesus did the opposite, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus lives love and truth, does the opposite of John, and still gets rejected. Look at verse 20, then he began to denounce cities, Jesus. Jesus begins to denounce cities and territories you will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be, no, will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. More tolerable than, for Sodom and Gomorrah than for Capernaum. Yikes! Yikes! John the Baptist was nervous that he was seeing too much hanging out with sinners and not enough judgment from Jesus. Then after John's disciples leave, Jesus drops bombs on those listening. He says, in the day of judgment, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than you, Capernaum. How can that be? I'll tell you. It's because Jesus spent most of his time in that region. Everyone knew him in Capernaum. Everyone saw him. Everybody had conversations with him. He did miracles before their eyes, and they still didn't believe. Sodom had none of those things. Jesus did not walk through Sodom and Gomorrah and do miracles, have conversation with them, teach to them, and preach them, grow up in that town. Nope. But Capernaum, they knew, and they still reject him. It seems Jesus is making the point That the more you know, the more accountable you will be on that day of judgment. I am scared for America for sure. We have seen the Lord. We are not ignorant. There are more churches in America than any country. More preachers. There used to be more Christians. Wild. And this nation will be held accountable for disbelief when the Lord Jesus was standing right in front of them. We got so many sermons. We got we got four Bibles at our house. We got you just got so much gospel, so much Jesus, so much church. It's all here, and so much disbelief. Final verse, Acts seventeen thirty. The times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, the Lord Jesus. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead." Family, there was a time of ignorance, but that time is not anymore. Let it not be so for legacy. Nope, not for you guys. Though we live in a city who rejects Christ, we will walk with him By faith, we will live according to his commands. We will shine the light of Jesus everywhere we go. We will lift up Jesus until the very end and he will draw men and women to himself in this city. Amen. He will do the work. He will accomplish it. And I want to encourage you. You're here today. You're worshiping today. You're taking in God's word today. You're hearing his voice today. Respond. Turn to him. Do not walk away in disbelief. Turn to him with all of your heart. Make things right with God. He sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me so that we could have eternal life with him. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for me? Let's pray that God would strengthen our belief in him. Let's, let's pray and ask God to make our lives pointing to him all the days of our life, always pointing to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, startling, scary, Lord, with Capernaum, that Jesus, you did miracles before their face. They knew. They saw that you were the Messiah. They saw you were the one, and they still rejected you. Oh, Lord, let it not be with us. So many say, if I could only see the Lord, if you only do a miracle in front of my face, if I could see God, then I would follow him. Lord, we thank you that you've shown us yourself, Here today, in your truth, in your text, but also in our lives. You came to the earth and you showed yourself and they still rejected you. I pray it would not be so for us and those here today. That they would say, I know I'm going to stand before God on that day of judgment and I want to be right with Him. And they would pray, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Make me yours. That you would be their Lord and Savior over their life. They would turn away from the ways running from you into this world. But start walking with you, running to you with all of their lives. Making you Lord God, Savior and friend over their lives. King of kings over our lives. We give you our lives. And I also pray, Lord, for the believers here today who are still trying to figure out right in front of them what you're calling them to do. That you would strengthen them. You'd give them clarity and wisdom and vision for their life. One day at a time, you would help them to use it for your glory. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.